Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Step drop, goes on the end zone, hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay, Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again, Tempo mode, dropping the throw, Winston out again, goes to the left, it's intercepted at the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the dagger my friend. This is the big nasty, yeah big nasty, all fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tempe Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me. My good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 6-7 and seven, back at home in Raymond James Stadium this week. Luckily, they have got um, just another test on the season with the defending AFC champions, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals headed to town. Winners of their last five games. So, obviously, for the Bucs who are still trying to figure things out, luckily, they still hold on to that first place position in the NFC South, even with a six and seven record. And this is another one of those games where just like last week against San Francisco, it's an AFC team. So the playoff seating really doesn't even matter in this one, but win, lose or draw, depending on what happens with Carolina, they could come out of this still in possession of first place in the NFC South, which means they still get a home playoff game. All things said and done. Uh, we got a lot to get into about today's game, but Evan, overall, your thoughts on this Bucks team headed into week 15 of the NFL season. Well, I mean, you are right um, where you say that, like, this game, win or lose, doesn't mean much in terms of standings in the NFC playoff picture. However, you know, you'd be losing two straight, um, which actually, you know, they've been pretty good at since they since they lost three straight. They haven't lost two straight um, because they were able, after that Cleveland game, they were able to bounce back to beat New Orleans. But, um you know, I mean, Cincinnati's a really good team, just like we mentioned. I mean, they're 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 coming in here, winners of five straight, and they seem to be getting better and better by the week. Uh, early on, Cincinnati was a pretty big disappointment for a lot of people, and um, I think now they're they're starting to really turn it on and show why they were in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, a lot of people they came out of nowhere last year in the Super Bowl, sort of the Cinderella story, um, but. I mean, they, they have the talent, and I think that it's a tough test, especially with some potential guys missing and some guys that we know are going to be missing um, for the Bucks on Sunday. So uh, even though this game doesn't have, like, huge playoff implications, it's still one – you don't want to drop to six and eight, you know, yeah. because when you drop to six and eight, you're just opening that door for someone else to squeak into that NFC South championship uh, spot even more. So uh, you, you definitely – you the game doesn't – you know, it's not that the game doesn't mean anything. The game certainly means something. You know, you'd much rather there's a big difference between seven and seven and six and eight. So uh, I think they, they want to get the win. It's just we'll see if they're able to do it. Yeah. And I mean, we, we talk about setting the tone for this buck season. I know that it feels like the ship has been sinking all year long. But as Sean King likes to say, context is always important. 
and they still have first place in the NFC South. But even with winning the division, you would hate to be that team that limps into the playoffs with a negative record on the year. And I think for the Bucs, they obviously know everything is right out in front of them. But you'd also like to see them wind up with a positive record on the season. If they win out, they go 10 and 7. If they go 3 and 1, 9 and 8, go 2 and 2, 8 and 9. And 2 and 2 seems like the most realistic route with the way that this team has won games, dropped games, kind of gone into a slump and then had to figure themselves out again. But this has been an entire season long process. Uh, so still, I don't think anyone at all has any clear cut idea on how the Bucks are going to finish the season because you can make one prediction one week and they can make you look silly the next week for even thinking, you know, that they had um, that they had the ability to get some things done. I know that we have been picking them to win some games this year that they should have won and they clearly didn't. So with that being said, I mean, any given Sunday in the NFL, but any given Sunday with these Tampa Bay Buccaneers before we go any further into the game preview, though, you mentioned it briefly. Let's talk about some of the players are going to be missing. So Todd Bowles made some pretty important announcements up on the podium today. He ruled out defensive tackle Vita Vea, outside linebacker Carl Nassib, outside linebacker Jannard Avery, and their number two corner Jamel Dean did not rule out Tristan Wirfs, which has obviously become a game-time decision. A couple of other guys on the roster also game-time decisions like Joe Tryon Shoyinka. So before we talk about Tristan Wirfs, Let's talk about how the Bucs are headed into this game, pretty much missing their entire pass rush, uh, who has not impressed lately. So not only is it a big loss for this defense, but it's an even bigger loss for a unit that just has not gotten after the quarterback in recent weeks. Yeah, I think you can look back to, you know, Shaq Barrett's injury and stuff. And I, I think that after that, the pass rush, besides there, there's been, it's been there in spurts. Um, it has been there in spurts, but hasn't really been consistent enough. So, you know, they're just going to need guys like Akeem Hicks. Uh, I mean, they're paying $10 million. Like, this is the game you need him to step up in. Uh, guys like Nacho, um, you know, a guy like Anthony Nelson, who had a pick that was called back last week, but like he's going to have to step up. He hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Uh, you know, and I, think, I, mean, I mean, in a similar role, I think Carl Nassib has been better than Anthony Nelson yes, this year. Yeah, and they, I mean, yeah. it's the same position. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if Joe Trina Shoenko plays, which I, I, would suspect he probably does, but you never know. Uh, but if he plays, he's going to have to step up. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be the coverage are going to be pretty bare uh, on Sunday for the Bucks in terms of pass rush and how they're able to generate that. So uh, we'll see how much the Todd Bowles elects to blitz. Uh, send those, you know, Devin White, Levante, David, send you know guys off the edge of the corners or safeties uh, to try and generate pressure. I'd be wary of that against Joe Burrow and this this Cincinnati offense, but. I mean, if you're giving Joe Burrow five, six seconds back there each time, it's going to be a very, very long day. And so hopefully they're able to develop some sort of pass rush with the players that they do have available. Because, I mean, even even a reserve player like Jannard Avery isn't going to be available. So um, it's definitely going to hurt, but it's just going to be up to them to try and figure out ways to thrust the passer here. Now, obviously, we know Todd Bowles in this defense. They love to give looks to opponents that they really have never seen before. As far as the defensive front goes, we have seen guys like Vita Vey and Carl Nassib line up in coverage is standing linebackers before uh, stuff like that isn't really out of the ordinary. So would you say it is completely out of the cards? I had seen a couple of people toss this idea around, but Devin White, despite the lack of sacks in the past couple of weeks, still has five and a half sacks on the season. Do you think this is the week that maybe for a couple of snaps, you see him line up as an outside linebacker just to get after the quarterback and, and really see what he can do from that edge Roger position? Because 
We know that his bread and butter is just running fast through the A-gap, getting after the quarterback. But if you line him up as an outside linebacker, I still feel like he has the measurables. He has the speed to get it done. And the Bucks just got K.J. Britt off of IR recently as well. And he filled in pretty well uh, at that inside linebacker spot before. So do you think that is something they could consider? I think they could consider it. The, the thing that you'd be looking at there is Devin White would be a very undersized outside linebacker. Um, I mean, you've gone up against a big tackle, you know, Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins, who have struggled at times this year. I mean, Cincinnati's offensive line, they invested a lot of money in that. And we know, obviously, you know, they got Alex Cap from, from Tampa Bay, but. Um, you know, and cap has been good, but like Cincinnati's offensive line hasn't been spectacular this year. So there's opportunities there. Uh, the, the big thing. And I mean, maybe they do the, maybe they, they do look just to give them a different look. And I think you're going to have to get creative to generate pass rush and uh, lining him up at that spot. Maybe, you know, you wouldn't do it exclusively, right? There wouldn't be something that always oh, playing 70% of the time from that spot, but you know, on a third, third and long, maybe that's something you consider, you know, maybe if, if it's a third and 12, maybe you you put him there just to give him a different look see how it goes um if it doesn't go well you just you don't go back to it uh so i I do think that i don't know if they're going to do that specifically but like i think they need to be that sort of you know have that creativity um in order to generate pass rush because like i said if you can't get a pass rush on joe burrow uh it's going to be a pretty long day because their their pass catchers are, are really good despite them being a little banged up they're still really really good Yeah, that offense for Cincinnati, when their offensive line can block, certainly gives Joe Burrow enough time to go out there and get it done. He's got playmakers and then some, so that'll be something to monitor this week. But as we talk a little more about the Buccaneers defense, I wanted to bring up some more developing injuries. We talked last week headed into the 49ers game about how they were just spread absolutely thin in the secondary. Keanu Neal, Logan Ryan kind of being those two guys to step up despite the blowout loss last week. They have had a pretty active role on that secondary these last two, three weeks. But some other players that haven't been ruled out, still kind of testing things out. And I think we could determine these guys are game time decisions. Uh, But Antoine Winfield Jr. and Mike Edwards back in play for the Buccaneers this week. There was some video from inside the facility of Antoine Winfield Jr. kind of testing that knee out, running some sprints on the inside facility. And I got to tell you, with Antoine Winfield Jr., regardless of if he's at the nickel position or elsewhere this season, this Bucks defense, especially this Bucks secondary, they are much different with him. He's one of those guys that I would love to see him play um, because his presence has certainly been missed. Yeah, and I mean, the interesting thing is that he was talking to reporters this week and he said, like, the plan is to, to play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, that's different than actually going out there. We'll see how he feels, you know, waking up on Sunday and everything and going through warm-ups and stuff. So, uh, especially with not having Jamel Dean, um, yeah, you could really use a guy like Winfield there who can play the nickel, uh, would allow Carlton Davis and likely D Delaney or Zion McCullum to stay on the outside. So, um, I think you could really use, well, and that's also if Sean Murphy Bunting, who was another player yeah. that ha- has been in question recently, if he could, pl- if he plays or not, um, I think you could definitely use a guy like Winfield there. And you're right. I mean, the entire defense is better w- with him there. Um, because they, they can just, they can do so many different things with him and so many different. 
different yeah. looks. And again, if Winfield's there, that's another guy you could potentially blitz, you know, send in a blitz package to get some pressure. So I think that's a very important one. Yeah, we don't have a definite on whether he's going to play or not. Same with Mike Edwards. But um, if they're able to get even one of those guys back, it would really, really help their, their, their chances. Let's talk about the Buccaneers defense in the game this Sunday. Raymond James Stadium, 425 p.m. kickoff. And for people watching at home, this game will be on CBS this week as opposed to Fox the way it normally is. Uh, so I think this is the one or two games a year that they show the Bucks on CBS just to confuse everybody in the local area. But um, Joe Burrow coming to town. Their offense has obviously really come around the second half of the season. What are they going to have to hone in on? I mean, there's so many things on the Bengals offense that you can circle and say, this needs to be your number one priority. Uh, but realistically, with the Bucks being as beat up as they are, and we know the pass rush coming into this kind of handicapped, realistically, what do you think is going to make the most sense for them to hone in on on their game plan this week? Yeah, I think the big thing is to try and keep them one-dimensional, uh, especially with, with Vita Vea out. It's, it's kind of worrisome because Joe Mixon's having a pretty good year. Um, and I, I think if, if you're letting Cincinnati get a bunch of yards, uh, every rush, you know, if they're getting four or five yards a rush, um, that can set play action. That's put your defense in some bad spots. So I, I think if you're able to keep them one dimensional and keep them in obvious passing situations I to where you're able to potentially, you know, and I, I know the bucks are missing their pass rushers here, but like the Cincinnati, like I mentioned, like Cincinnati's offensive line isn't the best. So you could have some opportunities there, but you're not going to have many opportunities if it's third and two and Burrow can get the ball out, you know, quick as lightning. Yeah. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here too, but we talk about other teams executing their game plan against Tampa Bay. And so far this season, I think most of the teams who have been able to effectively run the ball have pretty much won, uh, won the game. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't think off the top of my head the last time an opponent ran for more than 150 yards and the Bucks were still victorious. So keeping the Bengals one-dimensional is obviously going to be very important. But this this run defense simply isn't what it used to be. Um, and we've especially obviously... without Vita Vea there. Right, especially without Vita Vea, you're going to be missing a lot of that interior run defense. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's just got to be the main focus. Like you said, keep them one-dimensional. We know Joe Burrow can throw it all around the yard if he has to, but it seems like any time this year a team has been able to effectively run the ball against the Bucks, it's just been a death sentence in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, where's the defense down? And um, yeah. when you're able to do that, you're able to take advantage of a lot of one-on-one situations, which Cincinnati, if, if they have their, their pass catchers there, like Cincinnati, yeah, they're going to be able to take advantage of that. Um because, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins have been really, really good this year. So, um, yeah, that's not something you want to be in. So, I think, yeah, you have to set the tone early that, you know, stuff from one, on a few runs here and there. And, uh, yeah, like I said, force the Bengals to be in those obvious passing downs because if, if you're not, you're letting them dictate the game. Kind of similar to last week. Like, I think the result on defense may be similar. Like, Cincinnati may be able to do pretty much whatever they want if you're not able to stop the run. Yeah, and just some Bengals injury updates. They ruled out defensive end Trey Hendrickson with a wrist injury. That's really big as far as that Bengals pass rush go. Cornerback Mike Hilton with a knee injury and tight end Hayden Hurst with a calf injury are all going to miss Sunday's game against Tampa Bay. Wide receiver uh, wide receiver T. Higgins with a hamstring and Tyler Boyd are questionable, but they were both full, participa- uh, full participants at practice on Friday. So if you're practicing on Friday, 
usually is a pretty likely, good sign that especially you're full. If you're full participation right. on Friday, you're you're most likely going to go. Um, an interesting thing to note, uh, you know, we brought back the injuries for a second. Todd Bowles on Wednesday, I believe, had said he was talking about Vita Vea and Tristan Wirfs, and he said that they were both likely going to be out. But then he, like, they haven't really even ruled, you know, Wirfs with like a doubtful tag or anything. So it's interesting. Maybe the progress Wirfs has made. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more here in a few minutes. But uh, the progress he's made, I don't know. But like earlier in the week, there wasn't as much optimism that he was going to be able to go this week. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Tristan Wirfs and then go ahead and put a cap on the injury talk really quickly. Would it even be worth it to have him play this week? I, I mean, I know that sounds terrible with the Bucks still six and seven and, and everything's it still out done? in front Is of them. Over. No, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. But you talk about, I don't want to say how fragile your offensive linemen are, but just how critical of a position that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe for the offense, it can make or break, you know, some of the passing game this week. But even with Tristan Wirfs in the game, our offense is goddamn terrible. So with that being said, the Bucks already come into this game. I don't even know if they're favored on the lines. I don't think they should be. They're, I know it's a home not. game. They're not. They're, they, they're a home underdog. Home underdog for the first time this season, I believe. Three, three and a half right now. Wow. So with that being said, you know, do the Bucks have more to gain leaving Tristan Wirfs on the bench for another week? having him come back against, um, you know, an Arizona team, a bad Arizona team, if you will, who just lost their starting quarterback, which hopefully means Colt McCoy doesn't throw for 450 yards on Christmas Day. But, um, you know, like, do, do they have more to gain by doing that? Or, I mean, when you're a guy like Tristan Wirfs, you really don't care. If you can get out there and play, protect your quarterback, you probably will. I have to assume that's the football player mentality, but in the long run, as you start to gear off for hopefully a postseason appearance, you know, are these games at the end of the season really going to play that big of a role outside of the division games that the Bucs still have to win? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question um, and not one that I've seen posed really much this week. And I was thinking about it, too. And just um, I, I just think that the Bucs know, like, you know, they know more than we do about, you know, his, his injury and his progress and everything and, and stuff. And um, I think if they felt like they, he really wasn't ready, but they were going to try to push it. I don't think they would push it this week. I right. think they would be like, all right, let's sit him this week. So we know he's a hundred percent good to go for, for next week. Well, uh, if there's, if there's one thing we learned, especially about the beginning of the season is that they have not been scared to be conservative with these guys about their injuries and not letting them try to play through it. I mean, I know it was early in the season, so when guys like Julio Jones are missing three, four games in a row, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. than a Tristan Wirfs, but still you got to take regular season games for what they are and, and still kind of have that mindset of getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, I, I think, like I said, it's an interesting question because you're talking about in the long run, like, yeah, like it might be better to sort of um, sit him if he's not going to be a hundred percent. The only thing is, you know, if he's, 80%, like an 80% Tristan Wirfs is better than any offensive lineman you have right now. So, um, you know, and the offensive line really struggled last week. Now, they're, they're not facing as good of a front as San Francisco has, right? Cincinnati doesn't have that type of front, but uh, especially it's, without it's, Trey Hendrickson now. Yeah, that, 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 that's a loss for them. And, um, but at the same time, like, you know, do you want to, yeah, you send Tristan Wirfs out there? 
if he gets re-injured, like he's potentially done like for the season. Like, I don't know if you want to risk that. So uh, I think it's an interesting question. And like, they haven't said he's playing or not. Like, we don't know. Right. It's just the interesting thing is that Todd Bowles on Wednesday mentioned how it was sort of doubtful for him to play. And now they're sort of haven't really said anything. And he's been limited. He was limited on Thursday and limited on Friday, I believe. So he's sort of trending in the right direction. Uh, but we'll, we'll see, you know, I do think his return's obviously close. I think if it's not this week, it's most likely next week. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they want to push it. And I think that that question you ask is completely fair. And um, one that I think they have to consider because it's all about the long game at this point. And regardless of what happens this week, the offensive line struggles have been clear. Uh, Donovan Smith has obviously been under a lot of fire these past few weeks. So getting Tristan works back at that right tackle position will certainly be an upgrade over Josh Wells and whoever else they decide to chip in there this week to try and help out. Um, but with that being said, let's get a little bit more into the game preview itself. And I want to open up and talk about this Buccaneers offense since we are on the topic of the offensive line as well. Donovan Smith coming into the game this week, going to have a lot of eyes on him as well as the rest of that offensive line unit. But we talk about Donovan Smith in particular, one, because he's been playing some of the worst football of his career and uh, as of right now, he is still the only starter on that offensive line from last season. So with Tristan Wirfs coming back into the mix, potentially that could mix things up in that department. But from top to bottom, looking at this offense, where do you want to start? You want to talk about Tom Brady? You want to talk about the run game? What, where where does this Bucks team, you know, where do they start their offensive approach this week? Oh, the tough thing is it's a little bit of everything. You know, yeah. I, I think um, – <laughs> You know, it all comes down to they have to effectively run the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, you're you're setting yourself. I mean, the play calling is what it is. Uh, the play calling has been bad. But at the same time, like, your execution isn't helping. So uh, I think, you know, when you're getting one or two yards a pop on the ground, it just – it really hurts your offense. You, you can't set up – and, and I, I don't – I 100% agree with the whole, oh, you have to run the ball effectively. So that sets up play action. Uh, it helps. Like, it, it certainly helps no, we've, when you run the ball effectively. We've but. busted that myth a few times this year, thanks to uh, Byron Leftwich and his comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you remember at the beginning of the year, that's all he was saying. Yeah. He, yeah, said, he but, doubled down on that two, three weeks in a row, saying, well, you know, the yeah. run game has to work to get play action working. And even in week three, week four of the NFL season, people in 2022 were like, are you fucking kidding me with this quote? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the interesting thing is, um, you know, after rewatching the, the Niner game, I, uh, I didn't really have too much of an issue with the play calling, just the execution of it. And the thing was, though, it just it got so out of hand so quick. Right. And then once it gets 21, nothing, you got to change your game plan. Like yeah, once you it can't, gets 21, nothing, yeah. you can't be running the ball. You can't do a lot of things you want to do. So I think they got to stay on schedule. Um, that means moving the chains consistently. Obviously that includes the defense as well, but I think that includes no quick three and outs, you know, not no quick turnovers, um, which I mean, Tom Brady's thrown three interceptions in the last two games. So something that he's been avoiding uh, sort of has hit that turnover bug a little bit here. And Rashad White, has two uh, straight games with two fumbles uh, as well. So he's going to want to protect the football. So um, I, I think uh, they're, they're going to have to – 
you, you got to play better. I mean, it's everybody. It's not one specific thing. Uh, the quarterback's got to play better. The offensive line's got to play better. The receivers have to be better. The play calling has to be better. And Cincinnati's defense has been pretty up and down this year. They, they've had times where they've looked really good, times where they look kind of vulnerable. So, like, I think you can take advantage of some matchups here. Like, you really can. It's just they've had opportunities to do that in the past and they haven't. So I don't know how much faith I can have in them in order to take advantage of those matchups. So hopefully, you know, and I think a lot of it starts with protection. Um, You know, how are they going to be able to protect Brady? You got to protect them better than he did last week. Um, And Brady has to be better. He missed a few throws in San Francisco. So he's going to have to hit them. And and I think they're going to, like I said, staying on schedule, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah. You can't get into a, to a fit where you are. Yeah. Where Brady's throwing the ball 50 times because it's just, it's not a recipe for success. And I know that's more of a team thing because the defense has to get stops and everything, but the offense can stay on schedule by, you know, getting third down conversions. Sometimes not even getting the third down because that's an issue too. They just, they are, they get the third downs way too many times before they're able to move the chains. And it really hurts an offense. So I, um, and I, I think, think the, the red Bucks, zone obviously has to be much better as well. I think the bucks only converted less than five third downs in that game against San Francisco. And obviously when you're down 28 to nothing, there's a lot that has to go wrong very quickly. Um, but we talk about the effectiveness of this offense and, and something that they haven't really had a struggle with the entire year is moving the football getting in scoring position or at least getting close enough to come away with some points, right? Like we have seen them in field goal position before and whether they decide to elect to go for it on fourth down and end up with a turnover or just miss the field goal. It's one of those things where at the end of the day, you have to get better at coming away with points. Like I I know we sound like a broken record at this point in the season. It is no surprise to anyone at this point that the Buccaneers offense has not been good at scoring points. And that's, what's going to help them win some of these goddamn games. But you got to finish this week, and execution is is what comes into play. Just like you said, um, last week in San Francisco, there was one terrible pass from Tom Brady. I mean, probably maybe the worst pass attempt he's had in a Bucks uniform. It's going to be hard to break down the nitty-gritty, but he had Mike Evans wide open over the top in the end zone, and he just kind of underthrew it to him, and maybe pressure... Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was going. That was just a bad decision. He tried to throw back shoulder, right? Um, instead of throwing, he should have thrown it to the corner of the end zone. He should have lost it to the corner of the end zone, but he threw back shoulder. So yeah, not, not a good ball. He's pressured a little bit, but I mean, just you know, just lofted over the defender's right. head, and uh, he just yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got to be a little bit better in the red zone. We can drag Byron Leftwich as much as we want. And trust me, I got out all the f bombs I needed to <laughs> two, three weeks ago regarding Byron Leftwich and my opinion on him as offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay, but. Uh, Brady's got to be better. You know, Mike Evans has got to be better. Chris Godwin has got to be better in the red zone. These guys need to step up. Um, I would like to see some more Kate Otten. You know, he was hot for a little while. Uh, it, he was, he was, he was one of those guys where even though you weren't always counting on him to be there, he would make plays that touchdown against new Orleans, the game winning drive against LA seems like ever since that new Orleans game, he slowed down a little bit. Cam Brate was your tight end one in San Francisco, and uh, clearly we saw how that went. So I don't know if they're going to roll that back out this week. I really hope they don't, but my gut tells me they do. Uh, I'd like to see some tight ends get involved, especially in the red zone, but you just got to execute when you're close. That's it. You got you got to take advantage of every, every, um, every opportunity you have in this game because when you are playing a team like the Bengals, who can probably score at will if you let them, 
um, you're not going to get a lot of chances to, to take a shot at the end zone. So they, they really, really, really got to hone in on that this week. They've been moving the ball just fine, but you got to end up in the end zone. I, I don't care. It just, it has to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and the evidence shows that it's not likely to happen, but, mm. um, yeah, you mentioned, you know, Kate Otten and everything. Uh, he had four catches for 28 yards last week. Cameron Braid only had two catches for 12 yards. You know how many uh, targets Cam had? No, I, I don't know how many targets, um, felt like he had more than two. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, but um, you know, I, I mean, Kate Otten's been involved, but I also think he could be a um, a solution to your red zone problems. Right. Uh, you have Julio Jones. You have Mike Evans. Like they're just not using these guys enough in the red zone, in the red area. Yeah, where, I mean, where they should, and I think that's the big issue. It was funny hearing Todd Bowles talk this week about you know a guy like Jamar Chase. He's like, well, he's a big-bodied receiver. He can make plays in the area around him. He can go up and get it. And I'm like, man, you know, I know that there's a 10 year difference, but there sure is a wide receiver on the Bucks roster who sounds like he can do all of those things. Well, if you just Jamar give him Chase some targets, Jamar Chase isn't as big as Mike Evans. Is right. Like, yeah. Jamar Chase is not built like Mike Evans. They're built differently. So, um, yeah, it's just it, it's it's funny. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's all, the play calling has to be better. Like we have talked about that at nauseum. But like the execution also has to be better. It wasn't Byron Leftwich throwing back shoulder instead of off at the end zone. You know, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't you know Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, overthrowing um, a you know a, a an open Julio Jones. It wasn't Byron Leftwich holding an offensive line which negated a touchdown. Like you know, it, it's got to be the effort level and the you know the the execution has to be much better. And I think if that happens, like. This offense is still going to, like, to me, I'll be shocked. Like, this offense isn't going to be like, oh, my God, this is great. You know, they're putting up 30-plus points. But, yeah. like, if you can be efficient enough um, and and give – don't put your defense in such bad situations. Let your defense get you a few stops and just take advantage of some of the Bengals' mistakes. I, I think you can really, really help your case here uh, on Sunday. And as we continue the conversation on the offense, I do have some breaking news regarding quarterback Tom Brady. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady is now in Club 999 as the millionth follower on Twitter to PFT commenter, which means it is now time to unprivate the account. And congratulations to PFT on 1 million Twitter followers. I don't know if you have been a member of Club 999 for the past couple of months or so, but that saga has finally been put to an end. Thanks to Tom Brady. Let's talk about the run game really quickly before we look at the other side of the football for Tampa Bay. Uh, Rashad white, obviously not getting as many carries as a lot of people would have liked last week. But when you do go down 28 to nothing, you're probably going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. I think it's a given that the bucks don't want to have Tom Brady throw the ball 55 plus times this week. But with that being said, Got to see some more production. I can't say I'm upset with Rashad White because the carries have not been there uh, and the carries haven't necessarily been there for Leonard Fournette either, but he is one of those guys who he was fighting injury the last couple of weeks, was able to get in and play some snaps against San Francisco, but I would like to see a big game from both of these running backs this week. I'm not saying they both have to go out there and get 100 yards on the ground, but I think between the two of them, 100 yards rushing isn't that lofty of an expectation. Yeah, I mean, last week, White had 13 carries for 56 yards. There was an average of 4.3. So, I mean, if you're averaging 4.3 on the ground, like, that's solid. Um, yeah, that's great. Anywhere from, what did we say, the, the sweet spot over, is 3.5 and and to 5. Yeah, yeah like, th- like 3.5. Anything over 3.5 is pretty good. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, 
white it's just yeah it's the situation they get in you know like and they even like the bucks even handed off to white a few times when the game was already decided just trying to run out clock early so uh a lot of those carries are kind of deceiving like how many carries actually were when the game was competitive you know um and we're, we're not advocating to run the ball 50 times like we're not saying that we've been against that a lot on this show so no but uh, even 25 carries a game just helps your offense yeah, so helps. much but also, it, it all depends on how the game's going. Like, you know, if you're down 17 nothing, like, you can't do that. You know, you have to sort of pass your way out of it. And unfortunately, the Bucks have sort of got themselves in a lot of situations where they're down more than one score. You know, they were down 16-3 to to New Orleans. They were down 21 nothing to San Francisco. Like, they've gotten themselves in those situations where when you're down by more than one possession, you have to keep passing it, especially the later it gets. Um you know, in the New Orleans game, the later it gets in the fourth quarter there, you, you really can't run the ball. Um, and versus San Francisco, it just got so out of hand so quickly. You were trying to everything you could in the second quarter to, to claw your way back in, but you just couldn't. So I do think it's all about, like I was mentioned again, staying on schedule. And I think that, um, you know, running the ball, it can be effective and it can help your offensive lot. Uh, it, it helps your offensive line. Um, it helps your quarterback. Um, and I think it also helps your running back sort of get into a rhythm. Uh, and one thing I was sort of disappointed at was uh, Rashad White wasn't as big of a factor in the passing game. He did have five catches going for 21 yards. He was pretty much a, a check down option. Um, you know, we see a lot of wide receiver screens. We don't see a ton of running back screens, like traditional running back screens from this team, uh, which is weird. Because like I said, we see a lot of wide receiver screens whether it's the Julio Jones or Chris Godwin but you don't see a ton of of running back screens anymore so maybe that's something you you could incorporate a little bit more with, with Rashad White throw the defense off balance a little bit but uh, as far as those two backs go I, I do expect them to be involved in the game plan it's just it all depends on how the game's going honestly and it's impossible to predict that right now yeah, well, I think a lot of what's going to determine how the game goes is how the Buccaneers play on defense. We opened the show. We talked about the shorthanded pass rush, getting some guys back potentially in that secondary. But, I mean, it's a hell of a lot easier said than done because, like we said, Joe Burrow is a good quarterback, especially against the Blitz. And if there's one thing we know about Todd Bowles, we've said it before. We'll say it again. We'll probably say it until the end of his tenure in Tampa Bay. The man lives or dies on the blitz. And, uh, you know, when I think about the offensive firepower that Cincinnati has, I know their offensive line isn't the strongest, but when they can block, <clears throat> Joe Burrow can throw it however the hell he wants. It almost reminds me of game planning against the Rams in the divisional round last year. Like, I know a lot of those players were not a factor when the Bucks played L.A. a couple of weeks ago, but, I mean... If you're going to live or die by the blitz, this seems like one of those games that, you know, if Jamar Chase is healthy enough to go out there and give it a go, he could have 200 yards by halftime if, uh, you know, the Bucks aren't too careful trying to keep some help over the top. So with that being said, what do you think are some of the biggest things the defense needs to hone on this week to avoid stuff like that happening? Yeah, I, I think it's just. You know, your secondary with, with it being not as healthy, I think you're really going to rely on Carlton Davis a lot to really try and neutralize either T. Higgins or Jamar Chase. I mean, T. Higgins is actually, uh, I believe, the Bengals' leading receiver right now. So it's not Jamar Chase. Uh, T. Higgins had a really nice year. But um, I think, you know, when you're blitzing like that, and they blitzed Brock Purdy a good bit last week, uh, and it's, it just didn't really work. So when you're blitzing, you got to make sure you get home. 
And when you don't get home, that's when the bad things happen. That's when because you're leaving your corners and safeties on an island. And when they're on an island like that, especially against a talented wide receiver group, it's not going to be pretty. So when you're blitzing, you know, I, I like blitzing. I like being aggressive on defense. Like that's, that's the way you should be playing it, but that there's a time to do it. And there's a time not to. Um, and I think they have to pick and choose, especially with a potential pretty lackluster secondary and especially and you don't even have all your pass rush pieces either so like your blitzes even if like they're kind of effective they may not be as effective just because you don't have as much talent rushing the passer as you normally would so they got to really pick and choose when they do that all right let's get into uh our weekly checklist feels like we haven't called it that here but let's talk about some of the biggest things the bucks need to focus on if they want to win against cincinnati this week I will start it off and then toss it to you. I think on the defense, the biggest thing that I have circled is is something we alluded to earlier, uh, but try your best to make them one-dimensional. You know, we know this pass rush is not what it was with guys like Carl Nassib and Shaq Barrett out there. Not that it was, you know, blowing anybody away before, but it still helps to have some of your more talented guys on the roster available, and that will not be the case this week. Um, so try your best to shut down the run game. We know an effective run game is going to make any offense um, – it's going to be complimentary to how any offense plays football. We know Joe Burrow has the ability to throw it, but if you can put him in a situation to rear back and throw the ball 40 plus times this week, I'm going to feel a hell of a lot better about doing that than the way that they lost last week against San Francisco. Brock Purdy only threw the ball 20 times in the entire game, and it was enough for him to get damn near 200 yards passing, two touchdowns through the air and a rushing touchdown. So, with that being said, I think the more you shut down their run game this week, the more one-dimensional you make their offense, you know, it changes how they try and manage the game. And it could lead to some mistakes, which for the Bucks are costly because Joe Burrow's good, but he's not so good that he's not going to throw an interception or two if, uh, you know, you give him a reason to. Yeah, I, I think um, one thing that I would add, add to my checklist is just uh, on offense, just – yeah, you got to lock in. And I know it's it's generic, um, but like they just don't seem focused. It, it seems like a lot of, you know, what the Bucks need to do to win games this year in general is generic. Just play better. Just score points, yes. you know, just go out there and do your you job. Know, yeah. Like, you know, because, and then the thing is, I think why it's so generic is because we know they have the talent to do it. Um, like talent isn't the issue. Uh, this team does not lack talent. It's just the overall effort and execution of the offense and defense. I mean, the offense and defense last week, but for most of the season, it was, it's been the offense. So you've been questioning that. And I just think it just, it has to be better. So the quarterbacks gotta be locked in. The wide receivers gotta be locked in. Donovan Smith has to be locked in. Like yeah, the entire offensive line has to be locked in. And, um, you know, like I said, they got to help their defense out now. The defense has bailed them out plenty. Uh, now it's the offense's turn to, to help, you know, that, their, their defense out. And, uh, and and then another one I would say is just, you know, in terms of, of the defense, I think you know, Levante, David, and Devin White have been a little bit quiet, and I think you got to get them going a little bit more. So uh, I think those two guys, if you can have those two guys have pretty big days, whether it's blitzing, whether it's playing coverage, um, I think that would go a long way in helping your defense there uh, win the ball game. Yeah, less than seven tackles for each of those guys last week, which honestly is a pretty quiet stat line considering Levante David is the most consistent guy on the defense and Devin White is usually a tackling machine when he is on his game. All right, let's do some score predictions and wrap this thing up. Evan, I'm going to toss it to you first. What do you think it's going to be for the Buccaneers this Sunday? How ugly will it be? 
Well, I don't think it'll be as ugly as last week. So there, there's the good news. Uh, I, you know, if the Bucks were healthier, I think they would have a better shot. I just don't see how they're going to be able to slow down Cincinnati's offense enough. Um, so I'm going to say the Bucks lose uh, Cincinnati 30, Bucks 21. Uh, I, I do think the Bucks break through over 20 points. You, you, hooray, right? Um, for the first time, it was since Seattle, uh, where they scored 21 points. So um, they've went 17, 17, and now seven. So that would be an improvement. But uh, I, I do think that Cincinnati's offense, combined with the Bucks' injuries, just going to be a little bit too much uh, for the Bucks to handle here. You know, they've called me the eternal optimist on this show oh. for a number of years. <laughs> Uh, when the Bucks were five and eleven, when they were six and ten, when they were five and eleven again, I was the eternal optimist, always picking them to win. Uh, but if you want to talk about a season to break my spirit, this has certainly been that. So, with that being said, uh, I will be in attendance with my wonderful mother. So, uh, hopefully, this is not the case. She's gonna have to watch. That. I know she's she's been wanting to see Tom Brady in Tampa for three years, <laughs> and this is finally the game that we take her to. Uh, maybe I'll try and get out to that New Year's Day game, Bucks Carolina. Seems like they could have a more formidable chance to win that one to avoid the sweep, the Bruce Arians Ring of Honor game as well. But I just don't, I just don't have the faith in the offense this week, and and that's what it's going to boil down to. I, I think it's going to be the same old situation where your defense plays well enough in the first half to make it a competitive game, and then uh, due to lack of adjustments in the second half on the offensive side of the ball. They just aren't going to do shit for the rest of the day. So I think the Bengals are going to run the score up on Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to get over 30 points, but that's just because I think by the end of the game, they're going to realize the Bucs are completely tapped out and take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. My final score is this. Cincinnati 28, the Buccaneers 17. Uh, I, just don't, I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they'll get some points on the board, but I think at some point we're going to see that complacency kind of kind of sleep seep in right and and we're going to see the same thing that we have seen where maybe it's too little too late at the end of the game or they just aren't able to find a rhythm when they need it uh, but I do not think the Buccaneers win this one and I got to tell you maybe this is a sign of things to come because the last time both of us picked the Bucks to lose on this podcast they came out victorious 17 to 16 on Monday Night Football over New Orleans so maybe maybe, maybe. I'm just superstitious and this was this is what needs to happen this week but I don't know. It's just it's hard to get that good feeling uh, about this Bucks team, especially this time of year. Yeah, one well, and facing this Cincinnati team. Um, the Cincinnati team's really good, and, and probably the and toughest team left on the schedule. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're playing Cincinnati, Arizona, Carolina, Atlanta. I mean, there's you know not much besides this one, but this is a big challenge, and I just think it's they're going to play better. I think than last week um, because you don't want to be embarrassed two weeks in a row. But I just. I just think they just they just don't have enough right now. I, I think some context as we end the show here is important, and Sean King would say the same thing. Um, they are still first place in the NFC South. Yeah. You know what? Two division games Yay. left. Those are what count. And um, once you get to the playoffs, it is a clean slate. And at the end of the year, what do the Bucks have this year? They have got Tom Brady at quarterback. And they have an above-average defense. Yes, they have an above-average defense. I know they just gave up 35 points to Brock Purdy last week, but they are still an above-average defense, in my opinion. I don't think that should be a hot take at this point in the season. So, once the playoffs come around and everybody is 0-0, zero and zero, 
You really never know what could happen, but obviously we have to focus on this week's game against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And with that being said, I don't know how fun of an outing it's going to be. What? Go ahead. Got to make the playoffs. You you do have to make the playoffs first. I'm sitting here talking like they've clinched a spot and they have not done that. It's six and seven. I think if they lose this week and a win, a win uh, would go a long way, a, li- a if, win would, go a win would a absolutely go a long way, but the I Panthers mean, are in second they, place. Yeah. If, they're if they're they playing. Win, if these win these, if they win these last two weeks and Carolina loses, I mean that the final two games. Right. All that. right. Yeah. Um, I also know the Panthers are playing the Steelers this week who are probably going to go ahead and rule out Kenny Pickett with a concussion. So if they're playing Mitch Trubisky, well, you better believe that their secondary is going to come away with a couple of interceptions on the day and maybe a win, but you just got to wait and see what happens. But ladies and gentlemen, with all of that being said, that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you for checking us out right here on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. You can also find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And uh, check out his written work over at BucksNation.com. Weekly, you have got the Buccaneer Stock Report. Anything else coming out this week? No, I have right now. I have uh, currently out is it three burning questions where I'm just taking a look at, you know, three things that have just been on my mind and really just ask him sort of as a question and then answering them. So uh, I, I will say, you know, the last one is how are the Buccaneers going to stop Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals? So I also cover a little bit from the San Francisco game there as well. So go check that out on BucksNation.com. Good stuff, BucksNation.com. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R H E T T. AKUS, if you follow me, I will follow you back. The next time we talk to you guys, it'll be Monday after the game. Like I said, I'm going to be out there at Raymond James Stadium in person on Sunday. So enjoy the game. Win, lose, or draw. We'll be right back here live. YouTube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast on Monday, breaking down everything you need to know from the game and much, much more. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one on Till then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.